0: This week we made history. New York Governor Cuomo and Virginia's Governor Ralph Northam and the Democrat parties in both of those states are advancing pure evil and blood sacrifice to the god of child murder. And yes, I do mean that literally. This is Terry Beatley, your host of What If We've Been Wrong. I'm shining light into some dark places so that beauty, goodness, and truth defeat the schemes of the enemy. It's true, people are perishing for lack of knowledge, and we're instructed to have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what I do on What If We've Been Wrong, Rethink, Explore, and Uncover Some Hidden Truths so that more people can experience an abundant life and the joy of being set free from the shackles that hold us in prison. Welcome to What If We've Been Wrong? Uh, These pro-abortion politicians have offered a blood sacrifice to the God of child murder. You know, this is nothing new though, because in the Old Testament, uh, his name was Moloch, M-O-L-O-C-K. Moloch. He's appeared in many different cultures and in many different forms, but make no mistake, what is required to the God of Moloch, and quite frankly, demanded, is the killing of children, the shedding of innocent blood. So this is my clarion call to all Americans to wake up. You don't even have to be a Christian. I mean, this should be moving even an atheist heart to stand up and do the right thing. Because we are looking at evil, pure evil, unadulterated evil. But here's something. Here's the good news. Satan has overplayed his hand and why do i say that because finally after 46 years of the most unjust jurisprudence decision that is the roe v wade decision in 1973 along with the doe versus bolton decision citizens can now see how wicked and evil the abortion industry is and how the pro-abort politicians call evil good and good evil and you can tell Yes, am I fired up about this? You bet because on December first, two thousand and nine, I flew to New York City and I spent one hour with the father of America's industry of abortion. His name was Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He was once known as America's abortion king. He had personally he was personally responsible for the death of seventy five thousand unborn babies. Uh, Dr. Nathanson had personally aborted 5,000 babies with his own hands. He taught doctors how to kill children on another 10,000 babies in the womb. And then he ran the largest abortion mill in the Western Hemisphere uh, called the um, called CRASH, the Center for Reproductive and Sexual Health, and another 60,000 babies lost their lives uh, under his management. Dr. Nathanson also personally killed his own baby with his own hands via an abortion. And so this is near and dear to me because Dr. Nathanson deeply regretted uncaging the abortion monster onto America. And so when I think of me as a Virginian, we're not even talking about liberal New York or liberal California. I'm talking about Virginia, Virginia's governor, Um, We've got Virginia delegates who are patroning these heinous bills. Let's just take a look at one of these. The Democratic um, Virginia delegate, this is um, Delegate Tran is her last name. She, (laughs) I cannot believe this. She sponsored a bill which would allow the termination of the life of a baby up until 40 weeks pregnancy, and when she was being drilled on this bill in the Virginia House in one of the uh, committees, um, the, 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 the Republican who was quizzing her on this, he was saying, let me make sure I've got this straight. Are you saying that a woman on the delivery table who's nine centimeters dilated and all she's got to do is push and the baby's here, do you mean that she can basically say, nope, kill it? And, and, oh my goodness, you should watch this woman, Senator Tran sort of danced and pranced around the question, but he held her feet to the fire and she had to base, she had to say yes. So folks, you know, it it tells us the day will come, you know, when they call evil good and good evil. So now let's take a look at, oh, well, wait, one other thing. Virginia's governor, Ralph Northam, uh, when he was being uh, quizzed about this bill, he In so few words, he basically said that he supports infanticide because he was having to explain this bill on the radio airwaves and, and these are my words, but when you listen to him, what he's saying is that if the intention for that baby was to abort that baby, but if that baby comes into the world alive, oh, now the baby would be kept comfortable, but it's basically still a decision between that woman and her doctor. I'm sorry, folks, that's called complete murder. If that baby's laying there on the table alive and they just let that baby die, it's technically called infanticide. And we should all care. And if nothing else, if nothing else, you should care because when the, li- when the, when the rights of some people are abrogated, well, guess what? We all lose our rights. So if a little innocent baby is laying there on the table, born and alive, who happen to survive an abortion, if that child doesn't have the right to life, well, neither do you. And these pro-abort politicians will advance this culture of death until it's strangling the life right out of America, which is what, quite frankly, I think it currently is. But Satan's overplayed his hand. Because now we can all see how aggressive the abortion industry is. So, of course, the big thing this past week kicked off with Governor Cuomo and the Democrat pro-abort politicians in the state of New York passing the most uh, aggressive abortion bill uh, into law, which, yes, allowed—now, that got defeated in Virginia, but in New York, as probably you've heard— it's now law that you can kill a baby up until the moment that woman's getting ready to give birth, rip the baby to shreds, uh, or or the other way that they do it is they insert a very long needle into the mother's womb, and they inject digoxin into the baby, uh, which will stop the baby's heart, and then they... The, the woman will give birth to a dead baby. You know, other ways of doing is with saline, and the saline actually burns the baby to death. We're talking about heathens. We're talking about paganism. And this has been, you know, abortion is not new. is not new. That's been going on, you know, for centuries now. How, uh, or, or, you know, thousands of years. That doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it um, something that America should embrace and you know we have to scratch our heads and say what the heck are we doing here why are we doing this well i go back to this god of child sacrifice moloch this is nothing new people back then i mean in all sorts of different cultures they were sacrificing their babies or in, in during infanticide you know their born children or they were bludgeoning the woman's bellies until the woman would abort And many times all these babies are sacrificed to the god uh, called Moloch with the idea that um, it's going to um, advance the culture, advance life, advance um, um, wealth and and health, uh, well-being. And this is nothing more than sacrificing human life and innocent life to Satan himself. Now we do know, and I've interviewed a, a, a former satanist before. We we know it's a fact that the people working in the abortion mills, many of them, literally worship Satan. Okay, and they curse you know the pro-lifers who are out on the city street, and so this is a sacrifice. It's a blood sacrifice to uh, to Moloch himself, to Satan. So. A lot of people are wondering, well, why? Why did all of this happen across the United States in the state legislatures this year, January uh, 2019? Why is it happening so fast? Well, as far as I'm concerned, Satan and his bedfellows, which are the pro-abort politicians, they're anticipating the overturning of Roe v. Wade. As God gives President Trump the opportunity to reshape the Supreme Court of the United States with righteous judges who will, hopefully, overturn the Roe v. Wade and the Doe versus Bolton decisions. These will obviously be pro-life justices who fear the wrath of God. So as a preemptive move, in many states across the country, like I said, including my home state of Virginia, I mean, kind of blows my mind because you just don't think of Virginia as being that radical left. But here we go. I mean, all, all, you know, it's it's been exposed. So the pro-abort politicians and those feminazis that they always put out in front of the cameras—they are desperately, and I mean desperately, trying to codify abortion in state law. For all nine months of pregnancy so that when Roe v. Wade is overturned, it's, quote, legal or decriminalized in all 50 states. So let me repeat. They want it so extreme that that woman can be nine centimeters dilated, you know, and the baby's foot, you know, coming through her cervix or the baby's head coming through her cervix. And they, they want it law that if she said, right them, you know what, I have too much mental anguish, the idea of bringing this baby into the world, just kill it. They want that legal. So wake up Americans, wake up American voters, wake up the Christian church. Hello, where have you been for 40 some years? Pastors have been mute behind the pulpit. Uh, we've been deceived. You've got women out in your congregations in the pew. So many of those Christian women have had abortions. They suffer shame, guilt, and, and the silence is deafening. But let me tell you one other piece of the silence it's called the silent scream back in 19 i think it was 1984 this is after dr bernard nathanson had become pro-life and I'll, I'll tell you more about that in just a second but he had already become pro-life and he was an atheist okay because right now this has really nothing to do if you will you know people can become pro-life and that doesn't mean they have to believe in jesus christ it's already written on our hearts that abortion is ugly and it's a lie and it's the shedding of innocent blood Okay, so you you don't even have to be a Christian to be pro-life. So just hear this part of the story. So Dr. Nathanson, here he was, the father of America's industry of abortion. He had the reputation of being America's abortion king. He founded NARAL. He trained Planned Parenthood on how to slaughter babies in the womb. Because up until that point, Planned Parenthood in the late 60s, early 70s, they were not killing babies um, that Now they were of course pushing, they were pushing birth control and the birth control pill, which is an abortifacient, but they were not overtly murdering babies via abortion. In fact, as late as 1965, in Planned Parenthood's world population leaflet, they were warning women not to have an abortion. Why? Because it kills a life that's already in existence and abortion may make you sterile. So you cannot have a baby when you want one that's Planned Parenthood until Dr. Nathanson begged Planned Parenthood to join with NARAL in New York and fight to get abortion legalized Planned Parenthood did not help Dr. Nathanson and NARAL they sat on the sidelines watching NARAL Uh, fight to get abortion legalized in the state of New York with a very aggressive bill which allowed abortion through the 24th week of pregnancy. Mind you, they just passed the law for all 40 weeks of pregnancy. So what happened? How did Planned Parenthood become the biggest abortion provider not only in America but in the world? Well, they saw the money that was being left on the table after abortion was legalized under this Fake, you know, under the propaganda that abortion is women's health care, which is the biggest lie of all time. You know, how is killing 500,000 baby girls women's health care for Christ's sake? So, So who did they call? But they called Dr. Bernard Nathanson, and they asked Dr. Nathanson to train them in this new brand of women's health care. And so for two years, Dr. Nathanson trained Planned Parenthood on how to slaughter American babies in their mother's womb, and then he trained them on how to run these abortuaries. Don't call them clinics. Clinics is where you go to get well. Well, when you walk into an abortion quote clinic, somebody's going to die—the baby—and sometimes both people die: the mother and the baby. But of course, they keep—they try to keep all that hidden. So, so here we have Dr. Nathanson. I've brought you up to speed. That was through—that uh, was through 1970, 71, 72. Now, Dr. Nathanson's running the largest abortuary, the Center for Reproductive and Sexual Health in New York City. That's the largest abortion mill in the Western Hemisphere. They were killing 900 babies per week under his management. But he's tired, he's exhausted, and he quits the abortion um, uh, 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 abortuary and he goes to become the chief of obstetrics in St. Luke's Hospital. In New York City, now don't let the name fool you. At St. Luke's Hospital, they were also aborting babies. He, then we have the Roe v. Wade decision, January 1973, which he celebrates. Okay, he's brand new at the hospital. He's aborting and he's also birthing babies, and he celebrates Roe v. Wade. He's all over the news with his um, uh, colleague Lawrence later. And then, about four or five months later, the hospital rolls in brand new technology. And this is what you have to wrap your your head around. The father of America's industry of abortion, who had seen babies on ultrasound before. However, it was the the still grainy pictures, you know, the still pictures. Well, this brand new technology was real-time ultrasound. And the father of America's industry of abortion, who trained Planned Parenthood, who founded NARAL, sees the baby smile. She wiggles her toes. She yawns. She sleeps. She awakes. She sucks her thumb. And the father of America's industry of abortion begins to recognize unequivocally the humanity of the baby in the womb. Now, mind you, this is all happening up in New York City. Governor Cuomo, I wish I could sit you down in a chair, strap you down, put a gag in your mouth. And you'd have to listen to my story about making a promise to the father of the abortion industry that I would teach America The strategy, the eight-point propaganda strategy which, sir, you used in New York City to deceive not only New Yorkers, but people all across America. Well, I sat in your city, New York City, and I promised Dr. Nathanson that I would teach America the strategy of how he deceived our country with these eight points of propaganda. And I would deliver his beautiful personal parting message, which was this when I was wrapping up that interview and I asked Dr. Nathanson if he had a message for America and he said, yes, continue teaching the strategy of how I deceived our country with the lie that abortion is women's health care. And then he said, tell America that the co-founder of NARAL says to love one another, abortion's not love. Stop the killing. The world needs more love. And I'm all about love now. And I reached over and I shook 83-year-old Dr. Bernard Nathanson's hand and I promised him that I would teach America. Now this 83-year-old man was terminally ill with cancer and he knew he couldn't get his message out anymore. And that's why I offered to, to do whatever he wanted me to do when I, when I offered that if he had a message for america for america i would deliver it across our country i had no idea i had no idea if he would say yes he did or no he didn't his day is done and there was this pregnant pause before he answered so i must say it one more time because let this sink in and i hope governor cuomo somebody introduces you to this America Out Loud broadcast called What If We've Been Wrong? Because I'm going to teach you, sir, and all your New Yorkers and all your pro-abort Democrat politicians and any lame Republican politician across New York or this country who doesn't fight for life, I'm going to be teaching you in the next couple segments the eight-point propaganda plan of how Dr. Nathanson advanced abortion, uncaged abortion, by lying and deceiving American legislators, our judges, the media, doctors, the clergy, and millions of mothers and fathers, so that today, I can hardly say it without crying, 60 million babies have been slaughtered, slaughtered. And, and then we sing, God bless America. Well, let me tell you something. We have, I think, one more chance to get this right. To get it right in the voter booth, that's the most important place, and why? I'm gonna tell you why. It's because they knew they would never pass this stuff for the most part legislatively until they, uh, across the country, state by state. So that's why they had to use the Supreme Court well, God's going to see to it that our president, or or his predecessor, will have the chance to completely flip the the United States Supreme Court. We will end up with a pro-life court. Uh, however, um, we know that the pro-aborts will try to use the state legislature. So, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, I'm going to wrap this first segment up with his parting quote in his in one of his books, and this is what he says. I actually have this thing memorized. He said, "I believe." The abortion ethic is fatally and forever flawed by the immorality of the means of its victory. A political victory achieved by such odious tactics is at best an unstable tyranny spawned by an unscrupulous and unprincipled minority. Those of us who are Actually, at the least, those of us who are uneasy with permissive abortion should reexamine the issue. So right now I'm addressing you, that mushy middle who bought the lies of Dr. Nathanson. You know, where it's like, well, I don't feel good about abortion, but every woman deserves the right to choose. Excuse me, that's one of the pieces of propaganda that Nathanson used. So these eight points, these odious tactics. Okay, so then he goes on and he says... I believe that an America which allows a junta of moral thugs to foist an evil of incalculable dimensions upon our country and then just permits that evil to flower, creates for itself a deadly legacy, a millennium of shame. And I did not read that. That is written on my heart and in my mind. This is what Dr. Bernard Nathanson said. It's his closing paragraph. Wake up, Americans. I'm, I, I'm coming right back, and I'm going to teach you the eight points of propaganda that Dr. Bernard Nathanson used. And then guess what? We together, we together, we're going to crush the abortion industry. We're going to make sure people, millions of more people get out and vote for pro-life pro, pro, pro Candidates, We're going to get out and vote for pro-life candidates. And I believe the day is coming when both political parties, they're going to be forced to be fighting to be the most pro-life uh, political party because there are going to be so many educated people on how we got duped that there's going to be no other way. Because nobody, very few people are gonna be sitting back falling for the lies of the abortion industry. And it will be no more, and it'll be thrown out like an old rag and said, away with you.
1: The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world, to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutLoud.com where the conversation never ends with 24 7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All
0: right, you're back on What If We've Been Wrong, and I'm Reviewing this history of how we got duped into, you know, a governor like the governor of New York having the audacity to sign into law uh, the, you know, decriminalizing abortion so a woman can kill her baby in her womb all 40 weeks of pregnancy. And folks, that's called heathenism. That's called paganism. And it is outright murder and the reason i'm fired up about this for you, for those of you who are just signing on to this is because on december 1st 2009 god threw the doors open for me to fly to manhattan new york And to go interview Dr. Bernard Nathanson, the father of America's industry of abortion, who co-founded NARAL Pro-Choice America. He trained Planned Parenthood how to slaughter babies in their mother's wombs because, mind you, up to that point, Planned Parenthood was not doing abortions until they got back in touch with Dr. Bernard Nathanson after abortion became legal in New York and keep in mind back then it was through the 24th week of pregnancy and now they've taken it all the way complete demonic control over the womb 40 weeks of pregnancy and then nathanson uh, taught Planned Parenthood on how to slaughter children and then he watched Planned Parenthood become the uh, the bloodthirsty beast that it is today that we unleashed with our tax dollars and through politics and political pressure and international pressure, we've released that beast all over the world and now they hold these poor third world countries in shackles that if the third world countries want any kind of American aid it's, it's nearly, well, it is mandated in certain countries that they legalize abortion and let Planned Parenthood in. So I'm here to let you know that the day is coming uh, because it, it's just, actually, I look at it, it's awesome because Satan has overplayed his hand. He's overplayed his hand. The, the veil's been lifted, the shedding of innocent blood It is so, it's so free flowing. And you, the American citizen, you have to make a decision. Are you going to still passively sit back and just let this happen? Are you just going to fall for these incredulous lies of Dr. Bernard Nathanson, the eight points of propaganda that the feminazis continue to use every single year? And just, you're going to sit back and say, Oh, well, I don't feel good about abortion, but you know, but every woman deserves the right to choose, excuse me, choose what? The, the, the pro aborts used to hide behind safe, legal, and rare. They used to hide behind, well, we know it's just a blob of tissue. And then guess what? Real time ultrasound completely pulled the lid. In fact, one of the best quotes from Dr. Bernard Nathanson, it says, you know what? Fewer women would have abortions if wombs had windows. So if you could just like boop open up a womb, you open up a, a window on the womb. Well, you know what? We have that. It's called real time ultrasound. And if you've never seen this, go onto YouTube and look up a 4D ultrasound. Americans, Americans, that's your window to the womb. I mean, the only thing that's left is that baby just come on out and shake your hand. It doesn't get clearer than a 4D ultrasound. So, so that's what changed. Atheist, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, the science, it was the science, changed his heart. He knew he had a moral ethical issue on his hands. And he even went back to NARAL for the next two years before he resigned the father of America's industry of abortion. You may not know who I'm talking about, but back then he was as popular as George Washington. He was the face of legalizing abortion. So if you thought of who's fighting for legalized abortion, you would have thought of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. But he left everything, all the truth. He left it in writings. He left it um, in books. He left it in articles. And then when I sat with him and I asked him for, What what, If you have a message for America, tell me what it is. And I promise you, I'll deliver it across our country until it becomes common knowledge. And, And oh, here we go. But I tell you what, I'm just gonna cast this vision again. Again, I'm from Virginia. I want I want Governor Ralph Northam to be strapped into a chair with a big apple gaggle in his mouth because he's bit that apple. No, he didn't bite it. He ate it. He ate the lies right from the pit of hell to try to force Virginians into supporting abortion. But you know what, Governor uh, Northam, you're defeated. You are so your plan is defeated. You know, you're setting out now to try to take more seats in the Virginia Senate and the House? Uh-uh. Guess what? Virginians are going to find out everything Dr. Bernard Nathanson left behind. And you, sir, you, sir, and your, your radical leftist communist plan to spread death across Virginia it 's you 're not going to succeed it 's going to sow backlash and then governor cuomo you 're sitting in a chair right beside Governor uh, Northam with a gag in your mouth and an apple and you 're going and you 're going to learn it too so here we go and so I encourage you all to take this when this thing turns into a podcast, you take this thing and you spread it all across America. These are the eight points of propaganda that the pro abort industry under the leadership of Dr. Nathanson use to deceive. All the different entities, including millions of mothers and fathers, and now teenagers. So here we go. The first thing they did back in the late 60s was they had to frame the debate around choice. And any good lawyer knows that if you're out of the gate first with the argument, you've just smacked your opponents in between the eyeballs because you know they weren't even anticipating it. And so what was the argument? It's just simply a choice. Abortion is a choice. It's a decision between you know a woman and her doctor. Of course, they did not say, well, it's a choice to slaughter I mean, I'm talking now ripping the heads and the arm, you know, obliterating the baby's body. They didn't frame it like that because where would they have gotten with that? Absolutely nowhere. Just simply a choice. Then they came up with the slogans. And of course, um, you you know, we all know that if you're going to advance a revolution, you have to have, you know, great slogans. So all these slogans you already know, my body, my choice, every baby a wanted baby, um you know hands off my ovaries you you know keep your rosary off my ovaries all those kinds of things and guess what it worked brilliantly okay and then a lot of these slogans are still in place today the third thing they did was they they had to launch this revolution so you have to use the media because guess what i'm going to give you the full unadulterated proof that there is fake news and it works like this Dr. Nathanson, being an MD, and OBGYN, he would hold press conferences, and most of the people in the press conferences covering this issue were young women, uh, probably graduated from a secular university, but all the reporters were tired of opposing the Vietnam War, and it felt really good to be uh, 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 for something, so for legalizing abortion. Now, these women were young, um, they were, uh, you know, they were, like I said, they were already for abortion. So he could tell them just about anything and they would write it down and report it as if it was fact. Well, what would he tell them? He would give them fabricated facts i.e. lies but these weren't just little lies these were big bold audacious lies so big that you wouldn't even think that they would be a lie because who in the world would lie that big and mind you diane feinstein repeated a bunch of these lies when she was opposing judge kavanaugh for the supreme court uh, justice position Uh, All right, so what were the lies? He would tell the media and anybody else that look, we have an epidemic on our hand. There are a million illegal abortions happening every year. These poor women, a million abortions a year, back alley abortions. And then he would tell the media that 5,000 to 10,000 women a year are dying due to illegal abortions. Well, were were those numbers real? Nope, they were bold-faced lies. So the real number of illegal abortions it was in the neighborhood of about 99,000 abortions a year illegal. Now were there 10,000 women dying? No. On the high side, on the high side there are about 200 women, on the low side about 30. Now that's 30 up to 200, too many women who had chosen an illegal activity and then died, but it was they but it was not an epidemic of 5,000 to 10,000 women a year. Let's get the facts straight, Governor Cuomo and Governor Ralph Northam. The next thing is we you know, we all know that, oh my gosh, if there's gonna be a revolution, uh you've got to have the statistics. Well, Dr. Nathan and keep in mind, they had paid seventy five hundred dollars to a public relations firm uh to give them guidance on how to uncage abortion onto America. And so the next thing was um the, oh, the, the statistics, 60%. He would say 60% of Americans want abortion on demand legalized. So unfettered abortion, 60%. So when I sat with Nathanson, I said, Dr. Nathanson, where did you get the 60% number? And he said, well, he said, we knew we had to be over 50%. So I just pulled it out of thin air. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just incredible. Now the next thing they would do, so, so I'm building the case here, folks. This is all fake news. Fake news, and it's been going on for 46 years. Then he, uh, the next thing is he would repeat the lies. So we all know that if you repeat the lies long enough in the media, it becomes the truth. And then the seventh point would he would he would rationalize legalizing abortion. He would say, "Look, the women are going to do it anyway. Just legalize it and call it a day." Well, we all know that if you legalize something, it uh, it's going to drive up the demand. You know, the example I use is look at Colorado legalizing pot smoking. So many more people now smoke pot in Colorado. Why? Because it's legal. You legalize anything, more people are going to do it. If you c- keep something illegal and keep it a criminal activity, fewer people are going to do it. Are you going to eliminate all of it? Of course not. You know, because we're 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 fallen people. Uh, you know, people still try to skirt the law, but let me tell you something it, 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 once we legalized it, it went from 99,000 illegal abortions to over 1 million, and we've hovered there all through these years. And then, lastly, uh, what Dr. Nathanson did up, and this is in New York in 1969, 68 and 69. New York, of course, had—that's uh, where they started. So this is before Roe v. Wade. They were first working in getting abortion legalized in New York. Well, what does New York have? New York has lots of Catholics, and Catholics um, had never had to contend with this issue in the voting booth. And this is this is a key part of American history. And I, my goal by the end of 2020 is. I want every American Catholic to have a working knowledge in the Catholic strategy. And that's what Lawrence Later, where it's, it really looks like Lawrence Later was a full blown communist. We know that he worked for, in, in his earlier years, for the first card carrying communist in the House of Representatives, okay? So these radical ideas were nothing new for Lawrence later. So this idea of like just legalizing abortion, this was nothing new. He'd been, you know, if you're a communist, you're constantly fighting for radical ideas. So here they are up in New York, he partners with Dr. Nathanson, they formed NARAL, and they knew that they had to deceive enough Catholics in the voting booth into supporting abortion. So they crafted what's called the Catholic Strategy. And the Catholic Strategy had four parts. And this is, I give hour-long seminars on this, uh, but just know that it had four four parts, and I'm gonna give just a skeleton explanation of these the first thing they did was any time a woman would die of an illegal abortion nara would blame the pope the cardinals uh, uh you know, bishops the priests any local priests any time a woman died of an illegal abortion they would blame the catholic hierarchy number two they would they would emphasize any time um, a Catholic politician was softening or weakening his stance against abortion. Oh my goodness, they would emphasize that person in the media, and you would you would begin thinking that Catholics are changing their mind on abortion so So we have b for blame, e for emphasize s for support. So if a Catholic politician or a candidate had had transitioned to the pro-abortion, pro-choice position, they would support that candidate in the media and work so fervently to get that person elected. They would knock on doors, they would campaign, they'd make phone calls, they'd pamphleteer, they'd do whatever was required to get that person elected. And then the fourth part was the Catholic strategy. And I want you to hang on, come right back. I'm going to take a quick break, but you come back and I'm going to teach you that what is the Catholic strategy and the 46 year fallout of the Catholic strategy. I'll be right back.
1: Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health.
0: You're back on what if we've been wrong with Terry Beatley. And I'm talking about this horrible, demonic decision that Governor Cuomo in the state of New York and the Democrat Party made in advancing the culture of death onto America by decriminalizing the killing of babies all 40 weeks, weeks of pregnancy. And I mean, I, I even mean when that woman's laying on the delivery table, nine centimeters dilated, she can look up at that doctor and say, kill my baby. This is demonic, it's evil, it's pagan, um, it's heathen. And I dare you to sing, God bless America. We better be praying that God please forgive America for what we're doing and how we have spit in your face, how we've been apathetic for 40 some years how even the christian community has for the most part is quiet about this issue yes there are some christians who fight valiantly um, against the abortion industry but let me tell you something the pulpits are quiet Um, barn has done a study two and a half percent only two and a half percent of of pastors will preach from the pulpit against this industry of abortion they're mute they're silent and that has to change. God will not continue to bless our country as we're just shedding innocent blood, releasing rivers, rivers of innocent blood through our cities and through the countryside. So now, the fourth part of the Catholic strategy, I told you I would teach you how NARAL, under the leadership of Lawrence Later and Dr. Bernard Nathanson up in New York City in the late 60s and the early 70s, they set out, they had to deceive enough Catholics in New York, because New York is loaded with Catholics. They knew they had to have a political victory. They knew they had to convince enough Catholics to support pro abortion candidates. And why was that so important? Because they had so many Catholics up there, and for basically 2,000 years, Catholics have been trained through the magisterium, through the doctrine, that there is nothing that that abortion is an intrinsic evil. Nothing co- good comes from sl- slaughtering babies in the womb. And so so they knew they had to deceive enough Catholics. So we know they blamed the leadership. They would emphasize every time a woman, I mean, every time a politician would uh, soften his position against abortion, they would then support the pro-abort Catholic politicians um, uh, anytime they would run for, you know, election or re-election, they would support with door knocking, campaigning, you know, pamphleteering rate, uh, phone calls or what any of the different ways that they could campaign back then. Today, of course we have robo phone calls and a whole lot more. Okay. Then the fourth part was the Catholic, uh, the Catholic straddle and now the straddle worked like this they already knew they had a number of Catholics deceived because, and this is a whole seminar I give and we don't have enough time uh, to explain the full content of this, but I'm gonna just summarize it. They already knew they had lots of Catholics um, contracepting, and it would not be a hard push down the abortion slide to get them to Begin to support abortion. They considered those Catholics already in their back pocket. But what were they going to do with this huge swath of more Orthodox Catholics who were not contracepting and who, under no pressure whatsoever, would ever consider abortion a good thing? How were they going to get that big group of Catholics? to walk into the voting booth and pull the lever or color in the little black dot for a pro-abortion candidate. Well, it was called the straddle. Now this is so commonplace today that you may not even realize that it was a, what Dr. Nathanson called the most brilliant political strategy of all time because it's so commonplace. In fact, during the last presidential election, when Vice Presidential Catholic Tim Kaine uh, was um, at a, um, it wasn't really, well, I guess you call it a debate down in Farmville, Virginia against Vice Presidential Candidate Mike Pence. This issue of abortion came up and Mike Pence just slayed it. I mean, he did a phenomenal job. But Tim Kaine answered um, defending his pro-abortion position using the Catholic straddle. And it just goes simply like this. You know, I'm personally against abortion. You know, it's not good. It's bad or whatever. You know, it kills a baby. Well, he didn't say all that, but he just says, I'm personally against abortion. But look, every woman deserves the right to make her own decision. You know, this is a decision between a woman and her doctor. That's basically the words of Tim Kaine. That, my friends, was the Catholic straddle. And the catholic straddle now has been around for you know 40 50 years because because in a way it actually started with i mean started with nara but let me tell you something there was a team of rogue catholic priests these theologians back in the mid-60s even before nara was founded and this rogue team of catholic priests mind you they were communists they were wolves in sheep's clothing. They and I mean it. Well, wolves in sheep's clothing—that's figure of speech. But I mean it literally. That they were Catholic. They were communists. They they um, were the they were the fallout, if you will, of what Bella Dodd, um, who worked for the Communist Party back in the thirties and forties. She made, her job was to um, uh, to place over 1,100 communists into Catholic seminaries across America to advance communism. Because the communists knew that they could not attack the Catholic church from the outside, so they would have to infiltrate. Well, they used a woman named Bella Dodd. She admitted to all this. She actually confessed all of her sins to Archbishop Fulton Sheen in New York and admitted to what she had done, and so so as the years went by, a lot of these priests grew in stature and in influence. And guess what they did? And I'm actually going to read this from my book. This is a quote from Patrick Madrid, who's a, a Catholic apologist and um, theologian. As far as I'm concerned, and and he in one of his articles he explains how these rogue Catholic um, uh, theologians duped the Kennedy family with this whole abortion issue and then the Kennedys began to advance this into the Democrat Party and then onto to America and then NARAL shows up in the nick of time to to coalesce, to organize a very fractured pro-abortion movement and and then it's over. This is how we ended up with so many pro-abortion Catholic politicians. Here we go. There was an intentional, systematic, concerted effort on the part of a group of dissenting Catholic theologians, including Dr. Richard McCormick, Father Charles Curran, Father Joseph Fuchs. Fuchs? Uh, Father Robert Drennan and Father John Courtney Murray, who spent a good deal of time with the Kennedys in the mid-1960s, employing bogus moral theology arguments to convince them that they could accept and promote abortion with a clear conscience. Once this was accomplished, these same Judas priests, undertook to literally coach the Kennedys on what to say and how to vote in favor of abortion in their public lives. Given the Kennedys' enormous influence over American politics, it was diabolically logical for those dissenting Catholic theologians to have targeted this renowned and respected Catholic family for conversion." my friends my fellow americans who are listening to this live and, and those of you who are going to listen to this in a podcast it's time to fight and when i say fight i'm not talking physically fight i'm number 1 we had if you don't pray But if you're a believer, but you've been sort of apathetic about praying, you better start praying now that God will hold back his wrath over our country while we get our stuff together and get people educated, get them fired up. Get them emboldened with the truth so on the local level, you can begin teaching people. You don't have to think about fighting this on the national level. You take this information back to your county level. You you gather the people together. You go to hoseainitiative.org. That's H-O-S-E-A, Hosea, like the book in the Bible, initiative.org. The other web address is Hosea. The number four and then y-o-u dot hosea4u.org this is the nonprofit educational ministry that i set up because of the promise i made to dr nathanson to deliver his parting message and to and to fulfill the promise i made him to teach america here we are, America, a first world country. Why is it, why is it that preterm uh, or miscarriages are, are it, were increasing, increasing, increasing? Why is that happening in America? Well, folks, it's because women are aborting their baby. The cervix is not meant to be thrown open uh, for an abortion. So it weakens her cervix. And we will be teaching you, how all this is just increasing the number of preterm deliveries and sadly preterm, you know, deaths, the babies aren't, aren't making it cause the woman miscarries. Um, you're going to be learning the history of how the abortion industry has used the realm of politics to advance and uncage this culture of death. You're going to be learning the whole history of Dr. Bernard Nathanson and them. What we're going to do is, is cause I've already discovered this. I've already discovered this. Um, that that life, that when you defend the sanctity of all human life, and I don't care if you're if you're, that baby's going to be born into a poor family, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Poverty will always be among us. But guess what? Guess what? Uh, that baby can be born into a, a poor family. But you know, just look at the life of Frederick Douglass. I mean, we're talking dirt poor, born you know, born into slavery. And look what that man, what he did with his life. And we could go, on. Uh, I mean, Martin Luther King, same kind of thing. Big family, poor, you know, poverty in the South. Look what the man became. So, you know, we can go through the list. And it, it, the, the fruit of this is, is, I just look at it, it's almost endless. And, um, you know, we have a job to do. So, so I, I want to tell you where I got the name of this radio show. What If We've Been wrong? It actually came from the name of my book called What If We've Been Wrong? And speaking of the book, we want, I want 60 million copies of this book sold. Why? That's one copy of the book for every baby who lost his or her life through abortion since 1973. And if we don't hurry up and get that done, it's soon going to be 61 million. In this one book, which is an easy reading story of, of how Dr. Nathanson deceived our country, and then I merge it with my personal journey of fulfilling this promise to um the most uh, to my promise sorry to dr bernard nathanson and uh, the book is filled with resources it's uh, filled with content and it even includes the affidavit of norma mccorvey who's the roe of roe v wade who was used and abused by pro-abortion attorneys just sort of imagine hillary clinton you know, her attorneys linda coffee and sarah weddington they're basically the makeup of a hillary clinton okay they lie they deceive they use women to advance their worldview and um so it includes her affidavit from 2003 when she tried to over when she petitioned the supreme court to overturn the roe v wade decision it's a must read so the affidavits in there um, her attorneys wrote a full appendix called "A The Six Erroneous Assumptions," the Supreme Court made back in 1973. I'm telling you, it's full of dozens and dozens of resources, and then it's an easy reading story. A huge portion of the profits are going to be going toward building a, toward supporting Jose Initiative, as well as going into a fund to help young men and women who are who are to help them choose life for their babies okay so all good things are going to come from the book from the ministry and we want ministry representatives Jose initiative representatives uh in in every single county across america and we're going to crush this abortion industry it's going to be thrown out like an old rag we're going to be shouting away with you planned parenthood will be defunded dismembered um destroyed until it is a thing of the past like slavery, okay? Because as long as it's in existence, um, this type of evil will continue and it it has to be destroyed. Nothing, nothing good comes from Planned Parenthood. That's also, friends, it's a biblical premise. You know, nothing nothing good comes from, a a, a bad seed produces nothing good, okay? And then, so I want to address something um here we have the Democratic Virginia delegate um uh, delegate Tran you know she patroned this bill now granted it was defeated in Virginia you know but she wanted all 40 weeks of pregnancy that the woman could kill that baby and mind you just a, I think it was a few days later she patroned a bill that protects the lives of caterpillars. I kid you not it's a bill that protects the lives of Fall, like autumn, fall, fall canker worms. It's a flipping caterpillar. Yeah, that this is how broken we are, how broken the pro-aborts are. So this is a spiritual battle. We need to pray. We need to get educated. You need to know what you can do in your local communities. So you can email us at info at Hosea4u.org reach out to us, get the book, get educated, and then get us into your communities. And we're gonna watch this abortion industry lose. It's it's not going to win long term. So I wanna leave you with this thought. So I wanna leave you with this thought. There are six things that the Lord hates. In fact, there's seven that are abomination to him. He hates haughty eyes, he hates a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, and a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. Friends, that those are pro-abort politicians. Sometimes they are a handful of Republicans, but for the most part, they are Democrats. And why is this? Part of it is because the Democrat Party platform endorses abortion the Republican Party platform does not they want to see it become decriminalized again and so we know statistically it's somewhere like in the mid 80s like 83 84 percent or something like that 83 to 85 percent of politicians will vote for bills that advance their political party platform hello so what this means and again I'm just teaching bare bones you know civics here Okay. We know then that if you vote for someone who represents a political party and that party in its platform supports abortion, guess what? You're voting for someone who's going to advance abortion. So you cannot separate this. You have to know this. And, you know, and and then lastly, it's this God's word says, if you falter in times of trouble, How small is your strength? Rescue those who are being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. And if you say, I didn't know anything about this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he, meaning God, not repay everyone according to what they've done? My fellow Americans, you push this podcast nationwide. Look up our website, HoseaForYou.org. That's Hosea Initiative. Let's get the job done, and and then t- we will see a much much brighter tomorrow. God bless you. God bless you, and come back and let's let's do this, America. Let's crush the abortion industry.